right, buddy. What were we talking about? I don't remember. I was right, me I was leading us off. So, welcome everyone to Twin Shadows Podcast. This is episode 110, Dr. Dickhead, or how we learn to stop worrying and love the edit. This episode is going to be part of an ongoing series that I would like to do about our progress uh, in uh, the filming and post-production of our motion picture, Dickhead. Uh, this is to help keep us honest. Uh, this is to help you guys know where we're going. And also these episodes, I want to do really like nice little breakdowns on indie filmmakings and we'll pick indie film, indie films to break down and talk about. I only have a couple today, but Steven, good buddy. This is the start of the episode. Yeah. How are you? Uh, Oh, you're joined as always by your two co-hosts. Oh yeah. Tom and Steve. And, uh, yeah, look, take it away, Steve. Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, should we do it? Do we? When do we do an ad break? Oh, we have to record it separately. But we did get an we ad. We have to record it separately. I think we should. Why? Okay, I guess not. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. So we're uh, we officially got sponsored, and we're sponsored by Liquid IV. Yeah, Liquid IV. It's the. It's got like five vitamins and eight minerals, and. You know, we really like to use it because we're alcoholics and we've never they, used it, you damn liar. Oh, right. We really want to use it <laughs> because of possibly helping with hangovers, doing one before and after. I know there's a lot oh, of. Oh, you're co- supposed to do one before and after. I for was the thinking, hangover. I want to try that. And uh, I was thinking of trying that to help with that. And the cool thing about it is that they sponsor us now. So uh, if. Oh, yeah. Don't we have a link? Yeah, so how does that work? You go to liquidiv.com slash twin shadows podcast. Well, because we will have a link on our description that yeah. you can click on. Yeah, if you guys want to support us, click that link. You get a little discount. I think it's 10%. Oh, fuck. I, we got to read the ad thing. Isn't it right there? Yeah. Does it say 10%? It's in the other oh, tab. Okay, hold on. Maybe we should cut that. <laughs> So yeah, if you go to our link that's posted, you'll get 20% off and your purchase order. And you're going to start supporting the show. I mean, you get yeah. you get something, we get something, they get something. I mean, win, 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 win. Makes uh, the world go around. I know everyone out there needs to be better hydrated. There's nothing, you know, I always say, if you want to be a good writer, there's only really two things that you have to do other than write. Drink water. Drink water or liquid IV. (laughs) (laughs) And you have to like take walks and be by yourself. I think that's very important for a writer. And depending on how far you go, you'll need to stay hydrated. Right. Liquid IV. So when this summer is coming around and you're sweating and dying, we finally sold out. Woo! Please help yeah, us. Yeah, we finally sold out. Uh, but yes, yeah, so go ahead over to the link in the description below. We'll get better at this. This is our first one. Liquid IV, don't kill us. Yeah, don't don't drop us yet. I mean, if you do, you do. Can we get some Liquid IV for yeah. free? Yeah, let's try it out. So we don't have to pay for it. Because I don't think it's too bad. I don't think it's too expensive. I have some at home. I'll Isn't bring. it like 45 cents? Yeah. No, it's like a dollar something I know for you, one packet. You can get it at Costco in a, like a 10 dollar like infinite supply almost oh really or you can get it from liquidiv.com slash twin shadows podcast podcast yeah um so anyways how are you doing buddy now after that <laughs> uh 
it was I, I think we gotta refine it a bit. Uh I'm as Steven always likes to say, a little light in the head. <laughs> and uh I have a some nice Kona brewery, big wave. If hey Kona, if you want to sponsor us, we don't even want to get paid. Just pay us a beer. <laughs> oh my god, could you imagine? Uh so I, can, I told I'd... you for this episode, because you you said all the news is shit. Yes, I there was no news articles that jumped out of any interest to me except one recent one, Al Pacino. Oh, that jumped out to <laughs> 82 you? year old daddy. Yeah. But Dan, dude, could you imagine? <laughs> I mean, I ain't making it to 82, but. Well, good for him then, you yeah. know? And then who else was before him just recently? Robert De Niro. 79? So they can have like a heat <laughs> <laughs> remake with the kids. Yeah, it was the kids. We just got to wait a few years. So I didn't really find too much news. But <laughs> I did want to talk to you about something that I did see. Uh, I watched that movie Rent-A-Pell. Yeah. And I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was pretty solid. And I think it did pretty well. Is it on Shutter? It might be on Shutter. Because we were talking earlier about where our film's going to end up, and that's probably Tubi. Shutter would be great. I would be happy. Yeah. If we made it to Shutter. Yeah, Shutter's pretty. You did good, right? Yeah. I think. Shutter is Shutter Originals. I have not been dis- really disappointed in any of them. There's been some that have been weaker, but for the most part, I'm a big fan of them. Uh, ones that come to mind off the top of my head would be Mad God, which I haven't seen yet. Oh, that came out on Shutter. That's a Shutter original. Damn. Why don't I talk about ones I have seen? The Boy Who Knocked, or The Boy Who Knocked Three Times, or whatever. That one was pretty good. Uh, Shutter Originals that I've seen. Oh boy, my this is gonna be an episode. <laughs> it's gonna be an episode. That's this for gonna... sure. So I saw it. I thought it was pretty good. Well done. And one thing I noticed, they have Will Wheaton in it. Yeah. Okay. That was a sentence. And a lot of independent filmmakers will talk about the fact that you should have someone known as kind of like a hook for the marketing to like kind of really get it out there. Yeah. And. I certainly think the movie benefited from that. You want that light off? I was thinking, yeah. Sorry. Sure. I was trying not to interrupt you. I told myself I wasn't going to lean into the mic, and the first thing I start fucking talking and leaning into the mic. Ah, oh, the we'll turn it on for the. I'll turn on the overhead for when we read. But there we go. Now it's definitely going to be a podcast. We're all in the dark. Yeah, we got some nice lighting in here. But I was thinking about how a lot of. <laughs> Tom's using his phone as a flashlight being held up by his beer. Yes. I like it. My my uh, my killed beer. <laughs> but, you know, they talk about how that's a really good thing to have and that's really going to help with the marketing of the film and really getting it out there. And I think also it'll help with um, investors, right? Because it's like, okay, you got so-and-so actor, so that's going to bring an automatic attention and most likely an audience. Yeah, because especially an actor like Will Wheaton, they have a built-in viewer base. Like there are yeah. pe- people will watch movies with Will Wheaton in just because Will Wheaton is in it because he's an awesome, cool guy. So there's a lot of actors like that, right? You're like if you get Kevin James in your movie, like your mom's gonna watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. Well, like your mom loves yeah. Queen of, King of Queens. We She's gonna af- watch that movie. We can't afford Kevin James. Who could we afford? Will Sasso? Not. <laughs> no. Uh, we couldn't afford Will Sasso. Who could we afford? You know who we could probably afford? Uh, Edward Furlong. 
all right, I'll take it. That's awesome. But we could get that. We could we could get Edward Furlong in a movie. <laughs> but our film definitely, or our film, that film definitely, I think, benefited from Will Wheaton because I think he was pretty fun in it, and he brought a lot to it, made it more enjoyable for me at least. Uh, so what the fuck was my question? Oh yeah, let me read it. Oh man, my notes don't really. Rem- my notes say, "Look up the movie, and that'll <laughs> remind you." <laughs> You reminds me of that uh, Homer joke where he uh, he wakes up and there's no more donuts, and so he opens up his safety guide and yeah. there's, it's a hollowed out hole for a donut, and it, inside it's an IOU one donut. Love Homer. <laughs> you just did that to you. You just inceptioned yourself. Yeah, Anti inception. Yeah, I did. But well, I got a question anyways. So, uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on doing that in a film? Would you want to do that in a film? Um, yes, you 100%. think people should do that? Like if someone can really afford it or maybe not can't, maybe they really can't afford it. But if they put, you know, all the food money into it, all the camera money. Yes. Yeah. 100,000% yes. Oh God, Steven. Dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, I think they should. Um, their only really downside downside is if, they're assholes. Yeah. Then it ruins the whole experience. But I would generally, I mean, you kind of have to fill that out and be ready to walk away if they're too big of asshole. I know the film I watched. We were talking about this er- earlier too on Tubi. Yeah. Where, you know. The Great and Terrible Day of the Lord. You should watch The Great and Terrible Day of the Lord. All of you. There's definitely some gems on there. And then, man, it can go pretty deep with what's on Tubi. And we were talking about how, you know, Tubi. That's us. Yeah. Or not to be. But that is the question. I believe Tom Sizemore's last film is on Tubi. Oh, yeah. Was it with our guest? Yeah. Is it with him? No, maybe I just saw the clip then. Yeah, I'm, I only saw the clip. Oh, okay. Never mind. But still, you know, getting Tom Sizemore on your film. To- I love Tom Sizemore. I love Tubi. Tubi, you want to sponsor us? I love Tubi. I honestly legitimately love Tubi because uh, it Tubi reminds me a lot of like what the rental experience was like. Yeah, definitely. Because it's a bunch of like cool titles and then you watch the movies and you're like, why, God, why? <laughs> but yeah. you still watch those movies. Like yeah. I remember that was that's like the defining moment of renting movies. Uh, sorry, like all the young kids out there. I know you don't know what that means. Maybe they do. Maybe I'm being an asshole. But <laughs> if you go to the rental place, you didn't have like, you didn't rent like 50 movies. There was like probably like a three for like $10 special or three for yeah. $7 and you get them for the weekend. And you, and there was like three of us. So it'd be like each one, each kid gets to pick a movie, right? And so yeah. you got one choice and you're going to live with that choice <laughs> for three days. And guess what? The whole family is going to watch that movie because it's the new movie yeah. that was rented. And if you picked a stinker, you had it coming. But guess what? It was almost always stinker, man. Like, yeah. And then you start recognizing faces and you're like, oh, this is an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Okay. Yeah. But isn't it funny like how much you would, uh, just get hooked by the cover of the movie and then some shitty ass title and you look in the back 
and it would look somewhat terrible absolutely oh, dude, but there, you were a kid so you didn't know but you're like Ooh. there's one that's burned into my mind and it's the uh horror jack frost movie with the the snowman with the sharp teeth like jumping out at the poster yeah i always saw that in the horror sections but i never rented that one so mine was a killer tomatoes oh yeah and my mom was like no you can't get it we're not gonna watch killer tomatoes i was like mom look at the cover it's tomatoes that are eating everything Yep. Uh, that look I've never seen that. Is that a good I've one? never seen it either. Well, that that was like that must be it. But I had a I had something I want to talk about because I I went down a little tubey rabbit hole as well and um kind of watching indie films, indie yeah. horror films, and I, I just want to list the five. I watched five in one day because I like tor- pain and torture, <laughs> but also it was a really enjoyable time, I will say. Even for how bad some of them are, in retrospect, I did have a good time. It's fun to laugh with and at bad movies sometimes. Yeah. So remember that when you watch Dickhead. So I watched, (laughs) I should have wrote down the directors too. I watched Dark Nature. Um, I give this movie, it's a creature feature movie from Canada. I'm going to give that movie like a three out of 10. Then I watched that Kill Her Goats. Remember you talked? Oh, yeah. I watched that Kill Her Goats which is a movie where a bunch of adult film stars are in a horror movie with uh, the with the guy that does Jason. Yeah. Is the killer. And I'm going to give that a four. A four really? out of ten. Uh, Mutant Vampire from Planet Neptune. Uh, this one was a, a movie about an, <laughs> a, vampire a, an alien vampire that crash lands on Earth and a group of friends in a cabin. Uh have to survive the mutant vampires the day after halloween which was a film that was quentin tarantino's pulp fiction mixed with clerks mixed with the coen brothers oh sorry mixed and it was a three out of (laughs) ten The third Saturday in October. Now, this was actually the one I liked, and I watched it last. I remember it was like getting close. It was like 10 p.m., maybe almost midnight. And it was like, are we going to bed? And then I was like, what's this one? I This one has a sequel that came out the same year. That's a, that's interesting. And I haven't watched the sequel yet, but it's called The Third Saturday in October. And it's about an, an immortal killer that kills people. On the third Saturday in October, because that's a big football game, and okay. it's a it takes place in the seventies, and they did that retro seventies look, and I'm such a sucker for that, yeah. and it has such a cool seventies synth, uh, like early set, like late seventies synth score, not maybe eighties, yeah, uh, score. It's got pretty good and funny actors and dialogue. It has some long, kind of boring parts, but you know, it's pretty good. I'm gonna give that a five out of ten. Hey, that's pretty good. But I would like to, if um, what do you viewers think if uh, Steven and I watched some like first time director horror films and low budget horror films and we each watched them and kind of did a breakdown of what works, what's not working? Because one thing I will say that these there's a few commonalities that I've seen so far. Yeah. Almost all of them have breasts. <laughs> yeah. Almost all of them have really bad editing. Mm hmm. The majority of them take place in a cabin or in the woods. <laughs> okay. And 
the last thing that I say about these, and this is probably the biggest problem, is the sound in all of them has leaves a lot to be desired. Oh, no. And that's something that I think sticks out like a sore thumb is a lot of these just have really weird and awkward sound. And honestly, I can... the the like editing is pretty bad in a lot of them but the cinematography in all and most almost all of these is is pretty good like i don't know if there's mm. just like an abundance of decent cinematographers but i mean for the most part cinematography in movies isn't too bad like cameras if you can get over that that look that digital look yeah then cameras all look pretty good I mean, people, some people really like that digital look where it looks like you're watching a fucking video game in 60 FPS or something. And I think it looks like dog shit and you should be really sad if you like it. Um, I was talking... Oh, boy. We haven't even started. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's going to be a fun podcast. So um, what do you think about those few things I pointed out there, buddy? Nudity in almost all of these films. Uh-huh. Is that... I mean, is that just like a horror cliche... Is it something that like it's like okay we need to sell the movie so we're gonna try to get some TNA in? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's a cla- you, it's and a then, classic for and, horror movies. And then right? are you kind of and, and then are you cool with that? Um, yeah, if they're doing it well, I guess. I mean, you know, watching it in Halloween, I still love Halloween regardless, right? Yeah, I guess it just adds more to the titillation and like a lot of the Jason films. I, see, I, I, it sounds so weird about two guys sitting in a room, in a dark room with red lights talking about nudity. Yeah. Female nudity, in fact. I mean. And I, how it sells, man. And it does. I mean, I'm fine. I think we should get all equal nudity, men and women. I think we sure. should, you know, give the audience what they want and then don't, what they don't want at the same time. But, you know, my thing is like when people are against nudity in movies, it's just like. Man, it doesn't. It's just. It's way more exciting. Things are just more exciting when you're naked, right? Like everything's just amped up a bit. Yeah. And like, like everything is more tense. Like if we were doing this podcast you, naked, yeah, it'd be, it'd be way, way more, more weird. Yeah. <laughs> you're so much more vulnerable, right? Yeah. It's like an instant way to like make a character vulnerable, make a character sexy. It's like a, almost like a cheap writing trick. Is like, oh, now the character's naked in this situation. But are you really thinking about vulnerability? On the second watch. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then that's the problem with New Duty film. <laughs> that the male gaze is we're evil. Yeah, that's why I think if I'm gonna have it, I would have it for a good reason. You know? I mean, cause even in uh Dickhead. We don't have full nudity in Dickhead. No, but we were supposed to have that scene, right? Yeah. But we never even wrote that she got naked. It was like, no, you just in your underwear. That's true. Right. So, and I think the film just needs to, I don't know, have a reason for it too. Yeah. So if if you are going to do, I don't know, if you are going to do it, then really just amp it up or, because sometimes you just feel when it's like, oh, this is all you got. Oh, yes. Speaking of dickhead, we're going to jump into the main topic now. Aren't we a bunch of little dicks? No. So buddy, how, how is, how is editing going? I'll let you start off. Oh, shit. Well, honestly, I haven't really been touching it whatsoever. I've been pretty out of it for like the past two weeks. Everyone needs I think breaks. It's been about- I mean, we got a seven-year break. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now we need another seven years. No. So, yeah, I've been on a pretty big slump there. But then um, I was out in Vegas for a few days. And I really 
got a lot of work done on scene six and organized it to the point where now I can really go in there and start chopping it up and get to work. Yeah. But I've been avoiding the process of actually now putting it together because it's so complicated, I think, too. You know, it's like, fuck. But I really want to get on it. It's just, it's the, I've gotten out of rhythm. Most important scene to get right in our film. Yeah, exactly. And I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I was like, well, this is all our film has for character. So now this, it's even more stress. So for the people that are watching, to just give a slight uh, description of scene six. Scene six takes place in a classroom with every single one of our characters being introduced. Just about. Except for one. that Two. wasn't there that day. Toasty's not the, in that scene. Well, Michael Barrett. So it's uh, not every character. Okay. Two characters are not introduced. <laughs> but every other character is introduced really in some way. In this scene, outside of the killer, all of our main protagonists, even the killer, even the killer, but he's not introduced. <gasps> yeah, that's true. The gravity of getting this, and we were the geniuses that wrote 24 pages of dialogue, I think, for this scene because we were like, this is the big introduction to all our characters. Now you have to learn, live with them for 24 of their minutes. Yeah. And the scene will probably end up being five minutes, six minutes. Yeah, as short as possible. Um, so it's unfortunate. Uh, maybe there'll be a director's cut where that is a no. little longer. No, I don't think so. Uh, maybe that's like uh, our own ego. That's there, my ego. There's good cut. There's a. There's some good stuff to cut out. Like photography. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's a dying art. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> just transforming. <laughs> But you wrote that with I, with love. I know I did. It was like, nope, that's got to get cut out. I know. I, I I love. I always know exactly which lines Stephen wrote when when you're reading this. When you hear when you're hearing the movie, because it's like, oh man, here comes the romanticism. <laughs> Time to get romantic. His eyes were pale blue. It was the first time he looked happy. <laughs> but that's a great line. And you know when I wrote a line because it's like, suckers. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. So yeah, it's been a bit difficult, but I just got to get back in the habit of it. And it sucks because I was on a pretty, I was doing pretty decent, like a couple hours here and there. But now it's just, got to get back on that train, buddy. Yeah, you have to get back on. I want, let's get into the, we'll get to the next question. Oh, actually, Wait, one thing so I want to talk about. What's the reverse for you? Yeah, so... Uh, I've been doing a little bit of work here and there. Uh, the past weekend, I didn't get anything done, but the weekend before that, I got um, some stuff done. And I've been—I want to do a thing that you like you're doing for scene six is and prepare the garage scene, the dialogue garage scene. I just want to try and um. and give and get a, a cool take on that with like looking at through every take again, just and kind of trying to. Because we we have a new theme for the garage, which um, could be interestingly explored, hopefully with uh, this with editing. And yeah, we're doing something quite different and bold, and probably could be awful, but we're gonna give it a try and hope. And we pray it works because if it works, it solves a lot of problems and just creates an interesting kind of cool vibe thing for a scene that we were worried we were going to have to cut because it was not working. So we feel we have managed to save some critical scenes, but have lost others. 
notes on that aspect and how do you save a scene or how do you know when to lose a scene? Wait, what was the question again? What are some of the critical? I skipped that one because I thought we were it was going to be more natural to go into this one. We feel we have managed to save some critical scenes? Yes. Uh, My transition would have worked so brilliantly. It was, it was just magical dancing. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not necessarily... I think... I don't know if we're necessarily there yet on what we've saved and what we haven't. Like, I think we've definitely done a lot better in some scenes and really brought some energy and fixed them, really. However, watching it in full, when we watched it in full on that video, like some of it, so much more of it played out so differently then, right? Like some scenes where we thought we kept a really tight pace and it felt real good and energetic. And then we watched the full movie and it just felt like it was over in 10 seconds. Yeah, I think part part of it, and I think this also has, this goes into uh, the, the length that we've worked on the film because we have been working on it for so long. We've been with it for so long. Is that we probably are overkilling scenes. Yeah. And uh, the problem is, is if we're going to stitch together this really tight film, we have to adjust for that because we didn't shoot with that pacing. Yeah. We, no, not at all. We shot to have to let things really try to play out, be slow, but th- we realized that it's that's bad <laughs> for, for for this uh, for for some scenes. Yeah. And because we made just a lot of amateurish mistakes where we didn't play like we didn't play a lot of scenes out all the way through and so yeah. like we have weird takes and yeah, um, but I in the inverse to talk about saving scenes, uh, quote unquote. It's interesting because there were times when I would watch stuff and I was like, I don't know how this. Like, if we were being honest with ourselves, right? We'd just be like, Oh, it was a short. <laughs> yeah, here you go. Right. And sometimes I felt like that because I, I mean, there are times where I really just felt like super defeated seeing some of the rough mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. and then as we've as we fix it and added like some like temp sound effects and some temp audio, it's kind of made me just like, just feel the movie more and yeah. also just realize like, Oh, you know, we did do a, we did do some really interesting and cool things and we just have to massage it to bring it back. And I've, I've seen that we've done that with a couple scenes. Like we've really transformed, like to me, transformed scene and this sounds maybe extremely pretentious and uh annoying but we really have like brought scenes to life that weren't working and now i'm proud that they're in the movie yeah and those we made some major like the last time we edited together like we made some uh, major strides when you say lost lost scenes what does that also mean like do you think we've cut one of the scenes so much yeah, it's been lost, and then we just kind of keep that. So you know, what? What I mean frantic by momentum, possibly yes. But what I also just mean by that is, there are scenes that you know that they don't work. So we're it's like okay, let's just cut the whole thing. It's gone. Like it didn't. Nothing works. We're not getting it to work. And you know, if we're going with what we wrote, what we planned, that scene has a role and it has a place. Yeah. But if we can't use it and can't. Uh, get it to work there's times when you have to kill your darlings and get rid of it like we had struggled and tried so many different things we did reshoots we did so much to get scene three to work yeah 
And then we were like, you know what? Scene three is just fluff. It's just dialogue and characters that, you know, with stuff that we love that we wrote. And, you know, we realized we have to cut this scene. It just never worked. It never worked. No matter what we did, we tried. We've done like hundreds of versions of trying to get that scene to work. And in the end, the movie just works and flows better with With it gone. Yeah. Yeah, which is saying a lot. And, you know, like you were talking about a director's cut. It's like, no, that's the right choice, man. Like, (laughs) right, you just cut it because it just adds so much more. I mean, if we can capture a score like we want for Jennifer, like her theme, that'll really help sell who Jennifer is or who we um, idealize her as. Is that a correct word? Yeah, I don't know. No, that's right. And then you really get introduced to her character in scene six. And that's why scene six has become so pivotal, right? Yes. Because it's like, this is where you're going to actually enjoy this person, get to know everything about this person. That's the scene. And follow along. And you can. It's there. It's just. I will say that's a scene that almost it feels like it's a betrayal to continue cutting the rest of the movie until that scene is done. Just because of how much what we portray of her in that scene is who her character is. Yeah. And everything that follows has to work off of that. Yeah. And boy, buddy, that's so scary. Well, I think it's, I think it is there from what I've been seeing. That's why I'm literally going through every single take. (laughs) God, we just had an earthquake. (laughs) Get on the ground, buddy. The phone idea finally failed. Maybe that's well, a side. I need, a, I need another beer. What about you? Uh, I'm, I'm good, but I'll take it anyways. Should we pause or just keep rolling? What were you saying? Keep talking. I'll be right back. Oh, what was I saying? He asks. Scene six. Yeah. We're talking about scene six. Yeah. What were we talking about about scene six? Yeah. I had to wait for my audience. That's why it took so long to answer this. Uh, yeah, so, you know, the scene just kind of captures everything that Jennifer is. And I think it's there. And I think it also captures a lot of the charm of the other characters. That you need, like, this perfect... Jesus Christ, fuck the phone. He keeps trying to go to the phone. But it but it also kind of makes... Oh, man. But it also kind of makes uh, um, the... This uh... <laughs> <laughs> ain't fucking rocket science, man. Okay. <laughs> but it also makes the other characters feel a lot more important in the film, right? Because clearly with the original edit, you clearly know it's about Jennifer and Richard. And that's definitely established with some of the other scenes. But in scene six, you know, Lexi's kind of given more screen time within the total runtime of the film. So her character will hopefully feel bigger. Kevin's too. Like this is a way to really make you like all the characters too on top of that. Yeah, buddy. You're right. You don't think so? No, you're right. I'm not being sarcastic. (laughs) I'm just agreeing with you. Oh, I can ask the next question. That question sucks. Let's ask. Oh, pacing the film. What techniques and how has our understanding of the feeling of a scene developed and how can you control slash manipulate your audience? Hmm. Damn, he asked the good questions. You know what I say? Dude? You did, actually. That's why I was like, fuck, <laughs> when I was writing my notes. So, yeah, like, so we're talking about pacing and then how we've sped up a lot of the scenes. Well, I think we've really learned to do that within the reaction shot 
And that's part of why I'm going through each take is more for the reaction shots because I, I think I like that more. <laughs> and it captures that idea of show the don't tell because usually we'll have the character tell. <laughs> right? It's some way. So you can then use the reaction shot, cut them telling, and then just show it in the reaction. And I think we've been kind of... Has it been working? I don't know. I think but it's I think been it's working. A, I think it's a good way too to like shortcut the scene and make it faster and give it a better pacing instead of having them go out, you know, because it goes into that law, which, yeah, sure, you can tell exactly how you feel everything, but that's not as interesting as kind of figuring it out and seeing that reaction shots. Dude, that's really smart, man. And I think a good way to like kind of control and manipulate the audience is by pushing them a little too far at times and i think that's one thing that we have to kind of get better at too is the commitment like sometimes i think we what you want to do is and uh kubrick said this about how making film making film 110 percent like of reality like you don't really want like you that's what cinema is you're watching it big you know life is big you want everything needs to be taken that 110 yeah. percent and so that's when i think we're like sometimes when we're holding shots and it doesn't feel long enough. It's because like we got to go to where it almost feels uncomfortable. And then maybe dial that back. Or mm-hmm. you know. And then to either dial that back. Where it feels uncomfortable. Or even just push that like a beat more. And then that will. That really just sell, helps sells the emotion. Like then that's why. Because we are trying to make a slower film. To build you know. Yeah. Suspense. Curiosity. Let the audience think about what's happening. And I think that's what we need to add that in instead of it just being because man this was like almost like a fucking hardcore henry cut it was just like bam yeah. bam 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 like no breathing nothing it's just like and and but that makes the film work in a way and then it allows us to go in now we can stretch things out yeah but the cut it. but the cuts and the scenes are good we just have to stretch out the transition yeah and honestly i think because you kind of lead with this on another question. I think that's where we're at in the sense that like when, when we have the soft cut of this film and do you think that's done? Like essentially us just going through it. I think what we also will still need to do is just watch it together Mm -hmm. and then spend like a good couple days or something, you know, like, I don't know, every Saturday, like put in some good work yeah, and just tighten the scenes that we know we need to extend. Cause there are a lot of scenes like with this first cut, yeah, it's hardcore Henry. Before you know it, everything's already happened. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck? Like, okay. Yeah. So we need to really get character across. I mean, because that makes you know, it like real interesting too. Because well, It makes it more fun, right? Does, well, you know what's an interesting thought? Does it make the movie feel real time? Yes. Is that good thing or bad thing? Interesting thing. Bad thing right now because we still need character regardless. Okay. But yeah, sure, if we could. Although, I mean, it clearly goes from <laughs> like 12 in the afternoon to then, you know, 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, but that, I mean, we kind of show it in real time slowly. Maybe she takes a Once long Once the action food. starts, yeah, it's pretty much in real time. Well, except for, yeah, it's all in real time in a yeah. sense. Yes, it is. Why are you stroking that beer so much? Because it has like Did a... You, you're glad at what you discovered right there. Uh-huh. You're like, yeah, it's real time. But well, that's why I like doing the podcast because I, I would never really thought of that. And now I'm thinking 
if that's yeah. something that we can kind of push and try to make it f- and try to adjust some of the pacing to. Once the second or the uh, after the first act, right? Yeah. Like let it build a little bit because we have to. I mean, literally, it's different. Yeah. Times it goes from night to night. Yeah. And then we can allow that to be a little slower. Maybe that's where we need to. I think definitely that's where we need to drag things out a little longer. Absolutely, me too. And not so much the middle, and definitely not the end. Like no, the end. It feels, needs to be like boom, 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 boom. The end feels real good right now. Yeah, I'm real happy with the end. Um, I think there's probably some framing things that we got to do, but I've been real happy with the end. Yeah. Um, right now, and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There was something important I was going to say, but but yeah. So, what are your plans after this first soft picture lock? Because I don't want to. I know I know it'd be presumptuous to say that we're going to be picture locked, but I know we want to do. And I'll explain what I mean by that, and then I'll ask you the question, which you'll understand what I mean by it, so then you can answer the question. And the damn the beer that oh beer. yeah, it's the beer, huh? <laughs> I need my liquid IV. <laughs> liquid IV. What I mean by soft picture lock is we have this idea too that we want to like kind of like do like a might be like a little temp screening where we have people come and watch it to give input on what they think is working and what's not working and if we can and uh we can, how we adjust to that or just like completely ignore it or not necessarily ignore it but we'll we'll acknowledge it we just won't might we just might not incorporate it if it's you know a terrible idea but yeah doing something like that well, yeah, I definitely, once we get that soft lock, that's why I kind of want to go back through it just to tighten it up a little bit. And then we get as many people as we want valid opinions from, from people who know what we're doing filmmaking-wise, people who just like scary movies, and people who don't care and they don't know anything about movies. And really get, especially their opinion, and really try to listen to that. And then what I want to do once we get picture lock is then... While they're watching it, I'll be doing my notes on how to, on corrections I think we need to do. And then we'll kind of see who's winning with the best idea, who's convincing, and hopefully listen to the troglodytes tell us what to do. I mean, just help us. I mean, just let eyes see uh, what we cannot see, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Especially the people who don't necessarily like horror films and don't know anything about filmmaking. Because I think a filmmaker will give us a pass. Do you, you think know, that they'll would be, be like a... they don't they won't want to be so honest? They'll be like, "Yeah, man, I know what you're trying to do." And, do you think that you know. could be a cool marketing thing? Is like we do like a shoot to like a build up, and then we could do like in the backyard and watch it and do like a little video, like, "Hey, look, we're almost there." Well, I wanted to send the video off to them individually. Yeah, but we, so they can that. really watch it because I feel like a lot of people when they watch it as a group they don't really watch our film. Yeah, but it's for us to stroke our egos. Well, we're definitely gonna be doing that at some point. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we could. Okay, you want to blue ball me, stroke the ego later. <laughs> I mean, you're right. I just feel. I don't know. I want to just see what people's reactions. Yeah, but you want to give it away yet? We won't have any of the post work done. Yeah, no. outside of editing, and no one watches our film, man. Don't you? <laughs> well, the whole point is like we're gonna send it for people to watch. But you want to do a screening? I just thought maybe we could. I don't know. Would you rather do a screening than send it to them individually? I think 
I think both. Hmm. And we could ask them to watch it twice and with an audience and by themselves and how if there was a difference. And see how that affected them? Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. So we could then do that first, get the reaction like you want, send it out to them. And then, damn, that's kind of scary, man. <laughs> That's very but we scary. would have the will we use the temp audio? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. God. Once they hear all the temp audio, they'll be like, dude, no, I want that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, then they'll have a good time. Could you you know I def man, that's gonna be the hard one. Rosemary's baby. Yeah. That's gonna be the fucking hard one to replace. I don't know how we do it, honestly, because I'm so attached to it. Like all the Halloween shit we're using. Yes, it's great, it's perfect, obviously. Q-tips uh, homage to that. But I I could replace it. But the Rosemary's Baby one, dude, that's like... We, yeah. We nailed it with that. Yeah. Right? It makes you fall in love with Jennifer. It does. And it's like, oh, we're not going to have that. We might. We could. We could. But how are you going to tell all those people, no, <laughs> try again, try again. <laughs> They're gonna hate us. Yeah, but you have it has to be now, right? That's the fucking problem with temp audio. It well, has to be something. I'm sure like that we can. You know, we we're open still to if something sounds. I'm good. open, but dude, really, what's gonna? I mean, damn, that would that's just a high bar to cross because it's just so perfect and it's so built into our head. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I mean, I think it's personal bias too because we really love that song and what that song like pulls out of you. Yeah. But oh man, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard to think of something else that could fit there. But that's what the composer's got to worry about. Oh right? yeah. Okay. Even if he just gives us a. Yeah, if you want to do that, man. Would it be at your house? Yeah, I was thinking. We could do a backyard movie night, uh, and then we could shoot a little bit of it, and to, or we could put cameras up to get the reactions of the crowd. Yeah, and then yeah, I think that could be because we would just invite like friend, close friends, and well, yeah, and those, well, the strangers too. I mean, stranger, basically. I don't know any strangers. That's the point of strangers. No, but I mean, in regards, because all of our friends worked on this. Well, we have so, fr- friends that haven't that like we or we have friends of friends that could come in. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, kind of like strangers. Like Jake could probably plan this for us, right? <laughs> but definitely, Jake plan a screening night for us. But also getting the filmmakers out there that'll go. You, we could probably get Jared and the and Clark. horror fans, and then for them to also give us. That but I think too. we could. I think this would be more for like our close friends to kind of get feedback. Because I don't know if anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't necessarily want someone who who worked on the film for the most part. Yeah, that's that's fine. I don't think anyone but us worked on it. <laughs> uh, I, but I also think it could be cool to so they could see what is the movie is. It is real. I saw it once in twenty twenty three. It was a warm July. I don't. I, I mean, swear I was there. Because I, I could put, I could make some posts and and see if we could get some like L.A. people just to come out here, maybe because Sue should have come out here. Oh, shit, why are you shaking your legs so much, man? Oh, sorry, but I think that could be. Honestly, I think maybe I'm overhyping how cool I think that night would be, but <laughs> I think it could be pretty cool. I mean, that's this is a lot of ego coming through right here. Mm-hmm. And just I, because I think one thing is too is our noses are in way too deep on this. 
And I think what we need is like an audience to watch it with an audience that will like crank us back to reality in a sense, because when we watch it with people, we'll get a feel for what's working and what's not working. And there, and so it's like, because it's, I mean, even if they're like, oh, I, I want this character to be funnier or whatever, it's like, hey, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> but, yeah. but you know what? That scene where you guys kind of jumped or that scene where you guys were like, oh my God, this was too much. Maybe we can dial, dial it further, right? Like we could, t- maybe we can then just take it and like we could watch the movie while the audience is watching it and just like, and then just like try to remember when we're there. Like maybe we could do, um, some uh, um, magic paper, <laughs> magic paper, and try to really just commune with the spirits, mm-hmm. right? Because I think we could actually pull that off pretty soon. Like maybe even like for like a October thing or something like that. Yeah, just like a quick test. And also, it's just like maybe we could invite the film crew to be like, "Hey, look." This is where we're at. What do you like? No, because I don't want it to feel like a premiere or something. No, no, no. It's not a premiere. This is like. Yeah, but all the crews there and just not the cast. The cast too. Everyone? No. We can invite them. No, no, no. They can say no. That's too soon for it, dude. No, it ain't too soon. Yeah, it It ain't getting more than this, buddy. Yes, it is. (laughs) I don't think so. Dude, we still got to get our music or VFX. I mean, we got to finish this thing not just the rough draft oh no i'm just i'm saying like the cut the picture lock yeah i know for the picture well that's who i want to show it to though yeah right? isn't that our audience is also the actors for the premiere yeah but i where this is the feedback stage but you're right we're not yeah you make sense i'm thinking about it now but uh we want to do like we want to show it so we can get the feedback to f- finish it yeah you don't think the actors would want to watch it even where it's at now no oh you give them too little credit buddy (laughs) also no no one would show up (laughs) it's just gonna be me and you anyway no i mean i just also think there's just so much work we still have to get right you know and this film will just look so much better once we get through sound once we get through vfx no 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 yeah yeah but we have to get but if we want story feedback beats or anything like that, I this think, is what we're look. This is what I'm looking for. I want you know, send it out. Let's say we just send it out to you know Stacy, and she's like, "Hey, you know what? This I didn't really understand this." And then maybe we can that. That's where we'd go back and be like, "She didn't understand that. How could we make that more clear?" Or X, Y, or Z. Yeah. And then you know, like you said, the different types of people. But I think it could be also cool to show the audience the temp version we don't necessarily have to invite you know too many people but just to get like uh, like the oh, crowd reaction because it's so different when someone's just watching it on their laptop like they could be distracted they're not yeah it's not nothing right but when you, it's like this is a movie made to be watched with an audience if, if this movie that's what this movie's for this movie is not really for you to watch by yourself it's like they're gonna be like a fun party movie man where people laugh at it and throw shit at the screen because like don't drink it, Jennifer, right? It's going to be shit like that. Like, that's well, what they this movie even... could shine. Yeah. That's where this movie could shine. Yeah. I don't disagree. But, yeah. I just hope they show up for the premiere, too, man. The, the, and then it's like a promise to be for something better. 
Yeah. I mean, no one's gonna show up to this, buddy. <laughs> I think people would. Well, that's why I doubt. <laughs> no, I mean, definitely like everyone who is a part of this will, I think. There's still a lot of people really excited about it. Yeah. Because of the promise of someday. Just you wait. It needed to take 10 years. Don't you understand? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I just, I don't know. I guess but it, part of it is just my excitement of of just getting close to that picture lock. Well, and, we're getting close. Yeah. And that's what I'm just excited for. But I feel like I don't, I couldn't call picture lock until we've like seen it with an audience. Because I think then, because we can, we can, we should make the like those viewer decisions now before it gets to festivals and things like that. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, we're definitely working on picture lock, regardless of having anyone's input or not. Right. I mean, that's what we're working towards, regardless. Yeah. So that's why I'm so excited because it's not going to stop at picture lock. You know, it's going to go through all the post stuff. No, yeah, yeah. But to me, picture lock is where I'm like, oh, I feel because then it almost it's like if what worst comes to worst, we could hand this off and then the baby comes back. But like yeah. our our nose being like deep into figuring because to me, it's so hard just to know because once you're just p- p- brushing up the technicals. Yeah, it's just like, OK, <laughs> every all the creative like like madness that we have to go through to like make the scenes fit together. It's like, okay, now you have to just go in and brush the scenes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. And then yeah. the, but the composing, that's going to be a whole thing. That's going to be another creative endeavor of monstrous proportions. Yeah. But the Foley, the VFX, the color grading, all that's just us playing around. Right. That's just us. And it, it feels like it's like, there's, that feels easier to accomplish for us because the edit is like, man, there's a million choices. There's a million mistakes, but this, the, the technicals is just us brushing it up, man. Right. It's like, okay, we go color grade the scenes. Once that scene's color graded, it's color graded. It's not like, Oh, we're going to go back and recut. We can add another scene here. We're going to make it longer. It's like, no, that's not worrying. We're not doing that. We're not doing right. Right. It's locked. Right. We're not doing any. It's just fit going in, Frame by frame, fixing everything, and that sounds almost like a relief because you're like you're the creativity. There's creativity, of course, in the color grade and the VFX and the foley, but it's not like damn, dude. The puzzle's solved now. You have to paint it. Yeah, but see, that's where you're far more optimistic than I am, because I think once we get through editing, then the next step is all of that other stuff, and I think it's gonna be. I mean, if we can get this into a lot of different professionals' hands who are very competent in what they do, you know, we can't just hand it off to anyone. We've seen what that happened in (laughs) editing already. Yeah. You know, we need really someone who's going to be very committed and who's going to be cheap, right? Yeah. Because I don't think we can afford too much. Yeah. I just say we could try. But No, 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 no. What I'm saying is... No, it needs to get done to the best that we can do. Yes. And I just think we might have to do a hell of a lot and we're going to have to learn a lot. And there's still like an enormous hurdle to, to get over too. Like Foley, I think, might be us and that might be very difficult to do. 
yeah color grading i think might be a lot more difficult than we oh very difficult are giving it credit for and then i think that if we do have to do vfx dude no i don't even think we can do the vfx what i'll say is this is what i mean it's once we once this is why to me being picture locked is such a, a huge relief is because just the brain power the memorization of every scene, every intricate thing, just dreaming about how things are going to fit together, these puzzle pieces, just having that locked in, never touching it, at least not touching it until the director's cut, the unedited edition or whatever. No, once it's done, Jesus. Yeah, but just being like, look, once it's locked and it's locked, damn, you know, then it's like, to me, it's like, okay, the... All this, every other thing is going to be really hard <laughs> to impossible, but it it's like it's just a, a knowledge gap. It's not like we're, from the edit, we're like creating something from nothing in a sense. Yeah, but then also you have to acknowledge the knowledge gap of editing. Like this is another question we were talking about how long we've been spending on this edit, and that. You know, you're saying just creativity, creativity. We were, you were creative in the first cut. But as time has passed, as we've become more knowledgeable, literally knowledgeable, now it's so much better. And that's how big of a knowledge gap I'm thinking the other ones could pose. Because I have no idea what we're getting into. And I'm not really interested in learning it per se. Foley sounds like it can be fun. But what I'm saying, but we could find people to do this. No, that's what I'm saying. We have to be able to afford that. Yes. I'm just saying... Who knows what rude awakenings we're in for? Because we oh. weren't exactly expecting this with the editing either, right? Yes, it's probably, and maybe I'm like, I'm not remembering, I, like maybe it's just being blacked out, like how uh, awful the editing uh, story was for us. But I just am like, man, I feel like maybe we could hopefully have learned something and find partners that can do these jobs that are, you know, meant to do these oh, jobs. Oh, we've definitely learned. Yeah, and to to me, that's what's exciting about these is because it's not necessarily us trying to figure out how to do it. Yeah, it's working with someone that can do it to make the movie the best thing that it can be. Because yeah. we're not experts in color grading, VFX, Foley score, sound mixing. Yeah, but there are people out there, and maybe we can, you know, suck a few dicks and you know get some good <laughs> deals. Yeah, that's what it's going to be hard to find. That's why I think we need to just go after. People like us just starting out who just have a passion for it. Yeah, because I think you know? it's it's like someone has a passion for it. We can work with. Because shit, if anyone paid me anything, I'd be like, yes, okay, let's talk. Because like, I mean, maybe this sounds like a nightmare to somebody, but like, if we find someone that's like they're pretty good at doing sound, and it's like, hey, you know, here's five grand. You get five months. You know, we're not in a huge rush, but like, we want to see progress reports. And you know, we'll. It's like the thing is that I think is that makes it really expensive is a lot of times this is like one to two week turnarounds for company, right? You give someone a color grade thing. It's like, okay, next week I want to see the color grade for the film. Right. And so if we, if we talk with a colorist and it's like, Hey, if you can only work on this on weekends. Oh yeah. Right. Like we're, we're fine to wait like the six months. Cause then we can, once we know that that's getting done, we can really start building the marketing and start looking at the festivals and stuff. Absolutely, yeah. And then we might be able to afford that more. It's like, hey, you know what? We get our post team together because we can color grading. It can be happened, you know, 
regardless of Foley, where Foley is, right? And then the score can start. And then if we can do like, like say, hey, we're we're picture locked. We start meeting with these people one to two months to find the post crew. And then five, we give them like five, six months or maybe even less. And Dickhead's done. And then how do you feel? I can't comprehend. (laughs) (laughs) I can't, man. Because I was thinking about what you were saying. And, you know, there's still going to be some time before Dickhead gets done in reality, right? I mean, we're hoping by the end of this year is picture lock. That's not the movie complete. Yeah. And it's already been, what, eight years? Yep, eight years. That we've lived with this damn film every day. I mean, longer than that, if you consider before it was shooting. Oh, we don't count that year? I don't even remember anymore. It yeah. was 2016, I think, we started shooting? Yeah. Well, we did all the posts in like our pre-production like six months. So yeah, it's not that much more, but... I mean, this post, should have been more. <laughs> it should have been more. Yeah, it should have but been at also, least a year. It's how we got it done. It's also how we got it done. Very true. And also, I mean, how we're going to fix it, right? By putting on all that time. But oh, yeah, man. Could you imagine actually? I literally can't. Yeah. It's been, it's just like, dude, all the stress and just to be free of dickhead. <laughs> Fucking dickhead. That's real horror story is us, man. We've been tortured right. by this shit. Because I just think like, it's only like once the movie's done, that's only the beginning, right? Ugh. Reading Jared's post on yeah, Reddit about all the marketing, because that's why I was like, if we can find a crew to do the color grading, the, uh, all the other post stuff once we're picture locked, if we can find people to do that, then we can just take all that time to focus on building the marketing branding. Jesus. The, right? Because that's one thing is like, if we're going to do like, guerrilla marketing to try to get into festivals and like making posters and putting things up around like nerdy places and shit like that and losers or losers or hang out that's a good idea right and then we and then then all that huh and then well yeah because once we're locked that's what it's like it's just it sets off a domino picture lock sets off a domino because if we find the crew and the people to do it for what we can afford, it's just a matter of oh, time. Yeah. I mean, if we find the people who will do this and it's the dream, like it's affordable, even if it's not, but still kind of close, only a little bit more debt. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that'd be the dream, dude. That's the dream, right? And then, so, you know, you're getting the films getting done and then we market the shit out of it and that gets it into a big festival or not even a big festival, but the right festival. And who knows, man? I'm not saying it's gonna catapult us in this filmmaking stardom, but we'll be done with it. The film could at least make it if it makes its budget back, we're happy. But if it just gets seen by people, we're happy in a festival with real people. That is the real dream is to really just have that for the, our first movie. Well, see, that's where it really starts to, uh, I don't know, like to actually think of the next process. I mean, certainly we've been thinking about the festivals and all that but that just seems so if you want to talk about editing hurdle that we crossed over that's i don't know maybe the biggest hurdle to cross over right (laughs) yeah so i think for me also just man i just want to get this film done and get it done as best as we can and regardless of what happens i think if we make ourselves proud of what we've done and really proud you know not just like oh yeah we got something here and it's pretty exciting like but it's like yeah you know no one saw this 
They all said it sucked. But you know what? I, I tell you, man, that they, they just didn't understand it. You know, if we can just get to that point where we're just, yes, I am proud of what I've done. It has its it has its cuteness to it. You know, it's got a little bit of charm there because that's all we got. If anyone sees it in Beyond Fest or anything, dang, man. That's a hard one to comprehend <laughs> too, right? But I mean, also, we, I mean, we got a plan for that shit. Yeah, that's that's part like to me. It's like fuck. We should we start be looking for these people now? Like we're months yes. we're months away. Yes, we should. Like we're months once, away. Once we get to soft lock, we should because there's going to be a little bit of time if we start giving this out to people or whatever we yeah. decide to do, and then to adjust and and before we really decide. Because honestly, well, it depends on what we decide to do. I guess ultimately, but. If there is any gaps, yeah, we should even like every other day we should be doing that. Just a little bit of research, maybe looking at one person. I've been trying to keep track of people that I just randomly come across. Yeah, because I think if we start now, we can build a relationship with someone and get for a better deal. (laughs) Because it's kind of like, hey, we can show them the temp uh, cut. And be like, what do you know? What are you thinking about this? And really, because really, the dream is to build a post team that we can work with in the future over and over. And when we can promise more money, yes. And it's like, okay, here's more money. This real, this number two is gonna be a lot better. I try. Here's called dickhead the dickening. Yeah, yo, you know, we're writing that. We're writing that. It's gonna happen. Somehow, we're gonna saddle ourselves with another dickhead. Liquid Ivy, everybody. He's <laughs> Liquid Ivy. So yeah, that's that's been the episode. Uh, I wrote a script for us, buddy. All right. It's the longest script I've ever written for a podcast. Oh, a perfect time to do it. <laughs> How? Oh my God, this is a novel. <laughs> <laughs> you were kidding. Wow. Uh, so I wrote this. It's a it's a love of homage to my good buddy, Mr. Steven. Oh, buddy. He, this is written with him exactly in mind. <laughs> so you're going to have to play George. George. All right. George. There's a description for George. So I'll read. I'll read the action and I'll be the voice of Lenny. Okay. And then you can be everyone else. Oh, shit. So this is Rocksteady Blues. Episode one. Episode one. We got the funk. Written and performed by the whole body entity known as George and Lenny. So you like that title, buddy? Rocksteady Blues, you get it? <coughs> like the uh, Ninja Turtle guy? Cowboy Bebop. Oh, yeah. Rocksteady, Rocksteady Blues. Blues. Exterior. The space around the Beetlejuice asteroid belt. The Rocksteady drifted among the floating debris of crashed space asteroids. The small-sized transport showed no signs of life. Its smooth hull splattered with silver, red, and blue sailed alone. Interior, Rocksteady. Moments later, George sat alone. His appearance of a tired, slumped-over, and probably hungover silhouette danced along the walls as blinking lights lit up the mess hall. The Rocksteady was a space taxi with no fares. George passed out into his morning mush. 
all the vitamins a working space cabbie could require. George, get up, George. You're a good-for-nothing host. Lenny wiggled as hard as he could, with only, which only slightly shook George. Pulling out his tongue and licking George's finger was one of the nastiest things Lenny would do, but it always got George's attention. Lenny, stop it. I mean it. It's real fucking nasty. Stop it. I'll drown you in this mush. Well, I dare you. You know what? <laughs> Double dog dare you. George's eyes opened. He pressed his open palm into, into the plate. Tiny little appendages wiggled and twisted around. Oh, shit, that's me. How does that taste you good for nothing, Parasite? Where'd you know? Uh, where's her, you know? Uh, okay, you can stop it. Stop it. George lifted his hand. Most of the mush had been devoured by Lenny, who lived inside the palm of George's right hand. Vampire Hunter D. <laughs> We need something better than mush for breakfast. If I have to choke down another soft bite of proteins and synthetic carbohydrates, I'm going to start whining at uncontrollable levels of volume. Uh, so what's George's attitude? Because you mentioned Vampire Hunter Dean. He's very, like, non-attitude-y. This is a, a Bubalowski. <laughs> okay, Bubalowski. Yeah. George is Bubalowski. He has Bubalowski. With a parasite living in your hand. I can cut you off anytime I please. In fact, you're a pain in my ass and I don't appreciate your distaste for cost-effective calories. George turns his hand over as Lenny uses small tentacles to clean away the mush. You know, you and I both know you can't afford the credits to get a new one. Who says I need a new hand? Hell... I haven't had a bit of privacy in, what, five, maybe six years? What was the last time we were with a... Loud alarms trigger an alert. Uh, pick up. Better not sit around walling our own self-pity. Right. Good, buddy. Let's get to work. George leapt from his seat, floating over to the console, powering on the rock steady. Gamalaporis. Well, well. A wealthy client, indeed. That's a bit far out. We're here bit we're we are a bit low on charge to burn in the engine. It'll be a close one if we make it at all. It's a gamble, but hey, life's a gamble. George slammed the drive in the gear with the corrected course heading. Thrown back into his seat at around eight G's, his face looked like a peeled tomato. You're hitting a little hard, aren't you? I'm the captain of this fine boat. And I'll hit it as hard as I want. We gotta get there before some other asshole steals our fare. Oh shit, maybe I am hitting a little too high. George blacks out. Luckily, he had set a course and autopilot speed for the pickup location. Cut to interior docking station above Gamma Lapores. Night. George remained asleep. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, my mouth is really dry. George remained asleep the duration of the trip. Lenny eventually managed to reach the console and start some of the Rocksteady's amenities. The water heater, cleaning bots, and automatic food dispenser all started their normal operations. The Rocksteady slowed and approached the docking station above the planet below. Gamma Laporis was a galaxy-favorite vacation spot for wealthy individuals. Catching a glimpse of the golden glow from the Gamma Laporis station, George's tummy grumbled in anticipation of eating real food. Did we make it? 
How is our approach? The ship's onboard AI popped to life. Its booting sequence lasted for exactly one minute, slow by future sci-fi standards. The computer spoke with a HAL 9000-like consistency and tone. Oh, man. Robot. <laughs> you don't like robot? Okay. It's all me talking to myself here. I'll get a break. <laughs> oh, good morning, George. What was the question? Auto docking. How goes it? I assume since I'm not. <laughs> what shutting pure vacuum? We made it. All systems register normal except. Except what? <laughs> Come on, Letty. Something isn't right here, George. We gotta really cut. We gotta cut our losses. I got a bad feeling in my gut. You mean my gut? We have no choice. We have no charge on the engines. And even if I want to jump, we wouldn't make it 35 minutes. Face it. Either we pick up this fare or beg for some creds. Computer? The computer interrupts. My designation is Pip, please. Remember? I have to remember your names and you will long be dead before me. Pip? What is it? There are no radio communications coming from the uh, station. In fact, there is no measurable activity on board. An absolute silence hung over the rock study. Bring us in nice and easy, Pip. I don't want any scratched paint on the rock study. You sure we just can't uh, turn and thrust out of here on fumes? George shrugged off the comment. He looks around the viewing monitor at an empty dock. Nothing but emergency flashing orange lights. Do I read that as a word or just... Atmo. Like atmosphere? Atmo readings? Station has a standard atmosphere. Who called? It's still active. It's, this is really stinky. Like a good mushy fight. George stood up <laughs> as the ship jostled into the docking bay. You know who you remind me of there, buddy? <laughs> What's that? Was your one voice on the freeway. Right? Oh. Wasn't that one of your shorts? On the freeway? No, the kid who cannibalizes everyone, remember? <laughs> <laughs> and he's on the island. And you're oh. like, oh, they were looking real good. Yes, they were. <laughs> oh, yeah. They turned into chicken legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that guy talks a little different. You want me to talk like that? <laughs> no, man. I'm... I don't even know what I'm doing. Uh, only one way to find out. The ship locked its clamp and George called out. Pip, start getting us a charge. I want to be able to get out of here in a hurry. Yeah, my wallet info. Uh, looks like we're in the negative. We'll try anyway. We need some charge to get off this rock. Sometimes I wish I wasn't <laughs> so well you attached to you, George. You can grow up and leave home anytime, little buddy. George matched <clears throat> George matched pressures along the sticker-filled airlock. The stickers read many types of warnings. Oh my god, this is your longest script. And <laughs> we've only been through like two pages. In languages, the only one George could read says, Are you sure you know what you are doing? Slamming the button, George grabbed his lucky hat that says, Keep on trucking, and stepped out onto the station. Cut to interior Gamalapore's space station night. George stuck Lenny out around the corner to get a peek. You put me at risk first? <laughs> <laughs> you put me at risk first? <laughs> uh, let me take that from the top. 
Put me at risk. Who's going to read your alien languages or translate if I get blown off? I'm willing to take that chance now. Anything I should be worried about? Then he looks around, and there is nothing of note down the corridor. Nothing, hardly, you know, <laughs> nothing at all. George cranes his head around, peering down the empty corridor. It was, as Lenny called it, very empty. Uh, he gave me a burp. What the heck? Well, someone called and needed a ride. Maybe a beautiful damsel in distress needs to ride me. Hmm? Us, you mean? George claps. It was a simple gesture, which, when implanted with a translation symbiote like Lenny, was considered very rude. <laughs> you prick. George held his hand to his ear. What was that? George lifted Lenny to his ear. Lenny screamed loudly in another language that George understood. I so hold on. Uh, I think I know what that means. Reaching the entrance of the station, George presses open the door and steps back in shock. Oh, the smell smell of blood and guts. Oh, good God, what happened here? The departure zone was covered in the guts and corpses of all those trying to rush off the station. George regained his composure and walked in. And composure, I meant. I was going to be like, (laughs) is composure a word? I've never heard of it. Composure, Composure and walked in. Seemingly hundreds of bodies of many different species decorated the walls now. The large room maintained its gravity from the station's spin. Well, it seems your hunch was correct, Lenny. This is bad. Any signs of life? George reaches for his comm badge and taps it. Pip, get the rock steady started. We won't be staying long. Acknowledge, ship is still... Tr- <coughs> <laughs> the, drunk, the ship is drunk. George <laughs> took off his cap. The smell was truly something awful. I think we better get out of here. <laughs> Buddy, that might be the best voice to come up with yet. Uh, all for you. Yeah, you're great, buddy. These bodies have been dead for hours. Must have stopped bleeding entirely. So the question is... Who called for the pickup? It could have fancy-looking... Could have. <laughs> so sorry. A couple of fancy looking cases stood out to George. He walked over, bent down, and cracked them open. Are you kidding me? Why would the dead? Research. Possibly <laughs> valuable research. Inside the case was a very large amount of credits. More than George could count on sight alone. Even Lenny's eyes perked up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? <laughs> Grab the case. I want. I know you want it. Now let's go. That call will probably have reached a few other cabs, and I'm guessing an entire dead station won't go unnoticed for long. As Lenny's finished speaking, Pip interrupts. Uh, so we got cops, a lot of them. They will arrive in about five minutes. Time to go. George grabs both cases and runs as fast as he can back to the rock study. Cut to interior rock steady two minutes later. Crashing on board, George tosses the cases and jumps in the driver's seat. No time like the present. We gotta go now. Lenny takes control of the right hand and starts programming undocking features while George runs through system checks. Remember what you said about the fuel? I told you, I told you, I told you not to burn ass here, but... <laughs> we can fight later. First, we gotta figure out how to get out of one of the, out of the system. Pip. Did you have any fueling pumps we could take advantage of? 
several, but the police will be here. In fact, they're making their approach now. Not much we can do. Fuel up the tank and we gotta jump. From inside the station? No. We'll let the cops tractor beam and shut down our drivers? Our drives. Our drives? Oh, much more reasonable. George chuckled at Pip's literal interpretation. He was fucking kidding, you know? If we do this, we there's no turning back. It'll be burned in the system. <laughs> All surrounding systems. With those two cases, we could maybe push for a whole new life. Settle down. Meet some babes. <laughs> ah, let's go to... How the fuck do you say? <laughs> Zaldaria? Zaldaria? Yeah. Let's go to Zaldaria. I've always wanted that. The police cruisers start forming a barricade around the station. All radio traffic starts blasting. Am I all people? Do you want to be the police? Stand on all six and crawl order to stand on and wait boarding instructions. Stand down, stand down. Fuck off, Pip. We got fuel. Hose is still attached, but we're at 42%. Course plotted for the Zaldanian system. It will take us 30% of our charge. Don't bother unclamping. Hit it. The ship's drive spinned and spurred. The rock steady did not move, but instead formed a tiny wormhole, which it lowered itself into. Cut two, exterior, Zaldarian system, 500 light years away. The rock steady fell out of the wormhole and all drive shut down. The boat drifted in space. Status? Ship charge at 8%. Well, quick math with never my forte. No hull damage during jump. Oh, still attached. And we'll need to be manual uncoupled. All three crew members are alive. George sat back with a sign of relief, then pointed his left index finger at his head. Then at Lenny's, spinning around in his chair and standing up in shock. Pip said, Joey? Correct. Pip, are you almost bad at quick math? Oh, wait, what the fuck? Are you Pip, also- are you also bad at English? No. Are you also bad at quick math? That's, not, that's a fine <laughs> sentence. <laughs> uh, my math skills are perfect. Where is a third crew member? I don't have that information. Well, the walk study isn't that big. I can only count who entered the ship, not their current location. Someone else entered the ship and you didn't say anything? You never asked. George slapped Lenny against his face, both boning and groaning in pain. Oh, shit. Pip, set a reminder to have you erased at the soonest available time. And noted. George, possibly very dangerous murderous doorways. Focus! George pulled down his hat. Pulling, over, pulling open a drawer, inside was a funny-looking pistol. Slides perfectly into the holster on George's belt. Got the pew-pew. Now let's go. The Rocksteady had three rooms. It was honestly shaped like a dick and balls, a long cylinder with two spheres at the end. George entered his quarters, holding his hand up behind his back in, in case something sneaks up on him. Lenny will alert him. The captain's quarters was pretty basic. Plain walls with a few 6 by 6 panels. Old school blues music played as George enters. It triggers play as anyone enters. 
The room must be empty. We triggered the blues. Good point. George whips 180 degrees and the final passenger quarter awaits. Do we have to? Think how much more there is, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Since when have you been a coward? I'm a lover, not a fighter. Hell, lover boy. Get in there and love him to death. It is my duty. George holds up Lenny and shoves his way through the door. The room is empty. No hiding places. Empty? Maybe that pip has finally gone off his rocker. George turned and kicked the suitcase filled with cash. and all the excitement, he had forgotten about that. He picked up both and set them on the kitchen countertop along the main corridor of the rock steady. Time to count out money! A beat as George gives a moment of silence to those who died. Cracking open the case, dumping out the contents. Well, that is a lot of dough. Grab the other case. George slams the next case on the table and makes it makes a sound. Sorry, Lenny. Didn't mean to hit you. Y- you didn't. George stares curiously at the case for what could have been minutes. Are you waiting for me? Yeah. I'm so sorry. It's okay. <laughs> oh, shit. It's my lie. No wonder. Yeah. Did our money just moan? Get the pew pew. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you open, I shoot. Lenny takes control of the hand and reaches over. Snapping and George points the pistol. As the final laugh gives way, the case fillings. The case flings (laughs) over and inside sits a small alien child. Its eyes open and fear appears over its face. Come. Be still. The alien speaks in a language George has never heard, but Lenny replies back. No, no, no. It's okay now. It, oh, that's not how Lenny sounds. <laughs> it's okay now. We are far away from the killing. You gotta I want to the- hear the alien language instead. No, 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 no. You got to speak the alien language, buddy. <laughs> I gotta speak it. I'm an alien again. Yeah, you're the alien. What are you saying? <laughs> alien. Let me hear the alien language. <laughs> <again>. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now say it in English. <laughs> what? Oh. Any others? Wait. <laughs> you understand? You understand? You understand? You want? Oh, dang. I got lost in drug. <laughs> You understand scary lots of people shouting and screaming. I don't understand. It's a good thing you didn't witness. Any other survivors? No. uh, What's your name? Cartoon. Did she just say cartoon? (laughs) That's her name. (laughs) Dude, I read your line and you read mine. Who the fuck's cartoon? Is that the alien? It's alien. Where are we? We jumped away. Too dangerous. <laughs> we managed to grab you in the other case. Cartoon signed relieved. This is all my money. I was trying to transfer it to pay off a dangerous debt for my people. Oh, I see. One minute, please. She claims this is her money. She needs it to pay off some kind of debt. Ask her who she was paying. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you paying? The Zebes. They came to our world and protected us from pirates. 
who kidnapped and sold our people. They sent you alone? Yeah, I was sent alone. We had to sell many people to pay the debt, and I was selected to pay the debt. George, we have to take her money to her destination. I read that really wrong, but <laughs> it still worked. Okay. Uh, but that was my money. The people were sold and she owes the Zeebs. This was not this will not end well, even if we keep the money. What in the actual Well shit. Really? The Zeebs? No, man. I do not want to deal with those bounty hunters. Fuck. Fine, fine. But we take a small portion. We aren't a charity. Cartoon looks nervous and not understanding she was wedged in the case for a long time. We will take you, though. We, uh, well, how do I put this? Uh, we are out of fuel and can't make it. I will pay. I have travel expenses. Lenny lit up. He laughed. She will pay. Let's get this show on the road. I'm hungry. Lovely, lovely. Tell her she can have the quarters and we will head to the nearest charging station. Lenny instructed her and she counted up her credits and closed the case. Pip, hurry up and plot a course to fill this baby up. We're going to get paid. For only a brief moment, George felt the pain of losing a lifelong retirement amount of cash. The running from bounty hunters for the rest of that short life reminded him to be thankful for what you have. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll make it just barely. Shit. That's probably me again, huh? Yeah. Just barely is our motto. Can we get some grub already? Cut to exterior charging station next day. It took an entire day to get to the charging station. The rock city hadn't been talked off in quite some time. It purred with full engines as the crew got some space food, diner food. Cut to interior space diner night. Cartoon and George sat down at oh one God. of the booths. George hadn't eaten a real meal. In over 30 days, and the sounds coming from his stomach made everyone that heard them uncomfortable. <laughs> the waitress wheels over. All cheap diners had old rusty robots wearing vintage aprons. The waitress bot had a name tag named Betty. They were all named Betty. <laughs> and they all sounded like they had been smoking for a hundred years. Well, well, what we will it be? What's the cheapest thing on the menu? Water. Uh, three waters and hold the straws, Betty. I want noodles. The girl will have... <laughs> <laughs> the girl will have some noodles. I'll have some noodles. Extra spicy. Oh, I like it on my tummy. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, lover boy? All the steak and eggs. Oh, what kind of eggs? George looked at the menu. They had a listing of many different species of eggs. Ah, uh, surprise me, Betty. How original. <laughs> the tiny four-booth diner had no other guests, and small TVs played the news. George's picture showed up on the screen. Cartoon pointed up towards the image. Lenny, it's you. Lenny rolled over and looked at the screen. The sound was muted, but the subtitle clearly read, 500,000 credits. They got a bounty on us, boss. A real big one. Don't look. Just be casual. George smiled and fiddled with, fidgeted with his hat. A real frame job. This isn't good. Let's get our food in to go before someone notices. Lenny, are you in trouble? 
Not at all. Not. <laughs> oh. Betty came over with the food. The noodles were piping hot and covered in a thick layer of syrup. And the steak and single egg, which was half the size of the table, was plopped down in front of George. The egg wiggled. The egg. <laughs> the egg. Well, I guess I would say I am surprised. Thanks, Betty. But we need our check and some doggy bags. Running out so soon, I was hoping maybe you might want to clean my pipes. <laughs> Betty Robot laughed, which sounded like gears grinding. <laughs> the egg cracked and a little dinosaur face popped out. Dinosaur egg? Come on, now it's not even cooked. Well, you said you wanted a surprise. You know what? Forget this. George jumps to his feet, rushes over to the counter, and grabs some plastic bowls. Rushing back to the table, he scoops everything inside, grabbing the dino egg and carefully carrying it back to the Rocksteady. Cut to interior Rocksteady moments later. Can't you believe it's not over yet? Cartoon yeah. follows the food. She was starving and didn't understand why they had to leave in such a hurry. All right. Can we pause while I pee? Ready. George noticed Cartoon eyeing the spicy noodle bowl. He threw it down on the kitchen counter and rushed back to the driver's seat. Disengage charging cables. Cables disengaged. Starting engines. Engines started. The screen grows to life. <laughs> Glows. Grows to life. Random readouts start popping up warnings about overdue maintenance and such. Destination? George and Lenny looked back at Cartoon. She had swallowed both her bowl and Lenny's bowl in one bite. She helped crack open the egg and the new baby Velociraptor snuggled into her. We have to help her. <laughs> It would mean our heads. We've been walking for years. Maybe it's just our time. I had so many more aliens I wanted to bang. <laughs> so many more new alien sex diseases to dodge. You know you're a loser, right? George looked back to the panel displaying the emptiness of space. I, I guess this might help. Make me a winner? It's a start. How much charge to put us in orbit outside Zebes? 16.99% of our charge. Oh, that's your line. <laughs> <laughs> you got excited with the money. Huh? <laughs> Plot the course. Thank you, George. Fuck you, Lenny. The the oh, <laughs> I read that right. <laughs> the course has been plotted. And George slowly pressed the execute button on the keyboard to create the wormhole for them to enter into Zeeb space. Cut to exterior Zeeb orbit night. The Rocksteady gently exits the wormhole and is surrounded by four bounty hunter ships. A radio call is sent to Rocksteady. Uh, Scum! Money bags! Murderers! All of the above, I guess. Come to try and seek pity? Nothing like that. We got a fair. Oh, you got a fair bit of trouble. That's true. No, 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 no. A fair. A young girl named Cartoon to pay off a debt. Silence for a few minutes. Interesting. <laughs> Prepare to be bored. <laughs> no red. Prepare to be bored. <laughs> Nothing funny now. I'm 
told often and frequently just how unfunny I am. It wasn't even five minutes before the sound of the ceiling clamps echoed in the Rocksteady's hall. A whirl and a hiss, and then the hatch opened. And inside stepped two large turtle-looking aliens. They walked on two legs and had large shells, but strangely looked looked human heads. Heads, they looked like humans. <laughs> One had purple skin and the other had blue. So let's see, there was doing two voices because there's two different aliens. So, hello, he, bounty scum. No, we've been doing that too much. His name's Mr. Loco. Oh, what? So you're trying to be like, do a Mexican accent, buddy? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. Hello, bounty scum. My name is Mr. Loco. Hello, Loco. This is my silent but very dangerous type of associate. His name is Danger. Danger smiled with all his teeth. Oh, and look, Danger has no lines, huh? <laughs> they, that's right. <laughs> they had been filed down into sharp points. Ah, Cartoon, it's good to see you again. Cartoon ran over and gave Loco a hug. Cartoon? Are you sure this is okay? You hugging a turtle? (laughs) Don't worry, Lenny. Big Uncle Loco is tough looking, but he is pretty nice. Loco frowns and looks down at little Cartoon, her arms wrapped around his leg, a tiny baby dinosaur trailing near to her. Stop making friends with my breakfast. Don't sour our disposition, darling. What happened? We were heading to the station when we got the call about the massacre we feared the worst. Uh, what's cartoons? What? I have the money. It took a lot of work to get, but thank you so much for saving us. Oh, it was a lot of fun. We love crashing space pirate scum. What happened to the station? George lifts Lenny to his face. She spoke English this whole time? Yeah, I guess so. I wasn't too sure, but I heard a lot of screaming. I pulled out all my clothes and hid inside my case waiting for you. Then Lenny came and helped me. Hey, he lives inside me. I helped, all right. Jesus Christ. You ever hear the movie The Neverending Story? (laughs) I'm sorry, buddy. He just wants my money. Cartoon kicked George in the knee. Makes sense. George holds his knee dancing around. Since you brought us Cartoon and the debt she owes, we will allow you a 30-minute head start. Danger walks over and grabs the suitcase. How kind of you. So very kind. Thank you, your kindness. If I could be so kind as to offer you your own 30 minutes head, go fuck yourself. Loco turns away and swings back, cracking the skull of George, who falls to the ground unconscious. It's not over yet, buddy. Cut to exterior random space 29 minutes later. The rock steady drifted again in cover of some rocks after jumping to an unknown location. Cut to interior rock steady 30 minutes. The baby dinosaur licks and snuggles in the George who just starts to wake. The turtle really the turtle really pecks a punch. Where are we? I don't know. I don't pick to pick any random spot in space. You what? 
Pip status. Uh, jump successful. I layered the wormhole so we wouldn't be tracked. I don't know where we are. Scanning star patterns to determine location. Stand by. Sorry, George. I panicked. I couldn't get you awake. I tried to drag you. I tried to drag us to the sea, but you're so goddamn fit. Remaining charge. Uh, 13%. Fracking fucking freaking mother sucking uncle fucker. George jumps up, rubs his swollen jaw, and looks at the star chart. I've not seen any of these formations before. What is the Rock City saying, Pip? We hold through 206,823 light years. George fell back into the seat so hard it broke and he crashed onto the floor. That isn't too far. Your optimism fills me with pure and utter rage. We're stranded. Stranded. Do you not understand? Where is my breakfast? I am hungry. The baby raptor nestles against George and he pounds his fist into the ground. Now it's too cute and I can't eat it and I am hungry and I just wanted some sexy ladies to figure out how to have sex with and I had all the money, we had the retirement, we had it all, we, 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 we. George looks at his hand. The parasite looks scary. George licks his lip, eyeing Lenny. Don't eat me, George. I want it to taste good. And who would translate for you? You need me. We're picking up another ship, Captain. In the communication range? Obviously. Lenny sighs, Lenny sighs with relief, and George props the chair back up, picking up the raptor. He sits it in his lap. The baby dino curls into a ball and passes out. Open a channel. Ah, it's been open. Mighty space vessel, this is a rock steady. We're a bit lost. Our onboard computer threw us through a double wormhole, and uh, now we could use some help. A sultry lady voice comes over the calm. <laughs> oh, you got to do the sultry, sultry lady. Oh. And sultry. I mm. want it. I want it like. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> oh, very sultry. That's no good. Uh-huh. <laughs> we could be of some use. <laughs> George throws his arms into the air, praying to at least 13 different gods. Do you have our position? We will arrive shortly. George leapt to his feet and did a little dance. He looked into the mirror on the dashboard and brushed back his hair. So, uh, what's your name? Your ship's name. (laughs) Carla, our ship is the sex machine. (laughs) George's heart nearly erupts in his chest. Carla, you ever have one of those days where you think the universe is just out to get you? Uh, no. (laughs) Well, neither have I. Fade out. The end. Episode one. Next time on Rocksteady Blues, (laughs) the Rocksteady crew gets a new member. George insults a very dangerous group of women. And something mysterious is following the ship. Rocksteady Blues. So what do you think of Rocksteady Blues, buddy? Well, buddy, your stories are just so fun. (laughs) And I definitely think you're making tons of progress, man. It's just like you always hit new highs. (laughs) 
So I wrote that one with you in, in mind. I hope you caught a lot of references in there, maybe. <laughs> with George. Of Mice and Men, bro. <laughs> yeah, George and Lenny. That's why he sounded like that. Oh, that's why, huh? Yeah. <laughs> that was great, buddy. That was really cool. Do you think this actually got us to the two-hour mark? Looks like it. Well, is there anything else you wanted to bring up, buddy? No, I think that's about it. I think that was a solid episode. It felt like it was five hours long. So I hope so when I listen to this, I'm gonna be like, Jesus Christ. Oh, we are just rambling. It's gonna be a fun one. These ones always make me laugh. So I guess that's a good outcome. Yeah. All right. So everyone, this has been Twin Shadows Podcast episode 110, Dr. Dickhead and how I learned to stop worrying and love the edit. And I think that's all we have to say. That's it. Remember to check out our sponsor, liquidiv.com slash Twin Shadows Podcast. The link will be listed below. 10% off using our code. 20%. 20%. Look, it's even more than I thought. <laughs> it just keeps going up and up. And with that, cut. Cut to cut to cut to cut uh, my dick off. <laughs>